Folks, you are listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is WFMP-LP, Louisville 106.5 FM. You can find out a little bit more about our station if you go to forwardradio.org. Just so you know, we're in the middle of our pledge drive, uh, and so uh, uh, we need to raise about $5,000 to meet our goal. Uh, give what you can, every dollar helps. Uh, just go to our website and give from, give from there, forwardradio.org. Uh, you can become a sustaining member uh, at 5 or $10 a, a month. Uh, there's a PayPal link at the bottom of our homepage. And, uh, and if you, you know, like what you hear, don't be afraid to support it. It costs about $20 a day to operate the station. We're all volunteers. Uh, there's no paid staff. So if you want to, uh, hey, support what, what you love. So, again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and we're here with uh, a com- community activist, Kalila Collins. Uh, uh, Kalila is originally f- from Louisville, a uh, uh, veteran of the uh, uh, Marine Corps, uh, former uh, director of Women in Transition here in Louisville, and now uh, 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 works with nonprofits in New Orleans, but uh, Kalila's been coming back and forth on uh, Breonna Taylor issues to support that cause. So, uh, uh, Kalila, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. So, uh, folks, uh, we're going to talk about, we try to keep uh, up up to date on some of the things that affect our culture. And one is uh, movies. Uh, uh, so one of the movies that was recently in our theaters and can still be found out there uh it's, it was titled, is titled One Night in Miami. It was directed by the African-American female director Regina King, uh, uh, well, very well known for acting in various projects, uh, but also is a director now. And One Night in Miami uh, uh, is about the night when Muhammad Ali, uh, Louisville's own, uh, uh, defeated Sonny Liston in heavyweight that night in Miami, a battle, and about a conversation that could have occurred between uh, Jim Brown, a great African-American football player, still alive, uh, Sam Cooke, a great American recording artist, and Malcolm X, who was also kind of mentoring Muhammad Ali at that time. So it's a a conversation that could have occurred between Muhammad Ali, uh, Malcolm X, Ex Sam Cooke and Jim Brown, who was also kind of a noted activist. Uh, of course, he was the one that, that organized support for Muhammad Ali uh, uh, after the controversy of uh, uh, him refusing to uh, uh, accept the draft. Uh, and uh, so, so there's that context as, as well. That Jim Brown was and is uh, a community activist, an activist on the on the national level. So, so Kalila, uh, you had an opportunity to see One Night in Miami. So, what was uh, your initial take on that movie? My my initial take was, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned it first that Regina King was the the person who made this happen. Um, I did not know that she had, you know 
started diving into that arena. And so I was really excited to, to know that she did it. And she did an amazing job. Um, I absolutely love the movie. And I feel like every conversation that I've had since watching it has, has been about, has, has included, have you seen One Night in Miami yet? Have you seen One Night in Miami yet? Because it was an amazing movie. Amazing movie. So, uh, again, and so these are sort of important figures, uh, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali had a pretty good long life, uh, 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 of course, uh, Sam Cooke and uh, Malcolm X died relatively young, uh, so, uh, but they all made an impact and are remembered. And to me, it's about, there's several issues there. So here you're talking about the 60s where you have some high profile blacks who are earning wealth, who sort of made it somehow in the great American meritocracy. And they're discussing just what their role and responsibility is vis-a-vis black people, which is the same discussion that we're having now, right? Right. Uh, Because there was, at at the time, you know, you had Muhammad Ali. Now, uh, the way the movie is set, uh, this is right when he was going to announce his name change from Cassius Clay to uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, announce his allegiance to the Nation of Islam, and then before he refused to uh, be drafted into the military. But uh, the 60s, you know, there's activism of various sorts going on throughout the country uh, uh, on, quote-unquote, civil rights, which black folks are demanding their rights, and there are other groups who, who are sort of borrowing techniques and strategies from uh, blacks, American Indian movement, so on and so forth. Uh, uh, Chicano rights, uh, uh, before we uh, came up with Latin X. Uh, uh, and then, of course, the, the gay rights movement sort of came in a little bit later uh, in a more militant form. But things were developing. Uh, and so what is the role? And, uh, of course, there were... Uh, you know, high-profile athletes that stood beside a little bit later on uh, 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 than the time period of the movie stood beside uh, Muhammad Ali and organized by Jim Brown. So, but the role of of successful blacks uh, in society. So, what is your commentary on that? I definitely think that. Um Everyone, I know that people will say I'm not a role model or it's not my job, but I think that if you have a platform, then you have some sort of responsibility to work towards the liberation of your people um, because not everybody has access to that platform. And I, I, I think that's what I was hearing when I heard that conversation between Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, who was, well, Cassius Clay then changed his name to Muhammad Ali, um, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. I felt like what I was hearing them say is, to Sam Cooke specifically, you have a responsibility to be part of this conversation. And because you have a platform, 
it's it's your role, your role to do that, and you know, and I and I hate that um, that that role is thrusted upon those who didn't ask for it or didn't want it. But you know, you have a radio show, and you understand that your responsibility, having a platform, is to to work towards the goal of liberation of our people. I have a radio show. And I've said it's my it's my responsibility to use this platform to, you know, elevate people in my community as well. And so unfortunately, that's our responsibility when you have a platform. So um, there were discussions about, you know, just how to go about that. Uh, uh, and it's just interesting. There's kind of a feeling is who is able to take a risk. I mean, there was a theory in the 60s that young people, you know, essentially had nothing to lose. They didn't have their careers left yet. They hadn't started their careers. Uh, and so that's why they were using a lot of college students in the protest. Uh, and even in Louisville, of course, since there, there wasn't a black college at that time, except what kind of really, well, actually Simmons Bible College when it was very small uh, was there, but really wasn't a black college in Louisville. Uh, and so uh, Ralph Cunningham and uh, and others uh, uh, organized by Mr. Lyman Johnson, you had high school students taking part in the protest. And so this spared the adults the, you know, the risk of being fired off their jobs and so on and so forth, because the theory was, well, if the adults would stay home and they'd be able to bail the young people out of jail and, uh, and you know, the young people would have a place to stay when they got out because, you know, because <laughs> adults had, uh, you know, had been fired from their jobs from, for, for going against boss. Uh, and so then there was a theory in the black community that, uh the preachers and the undertakers could be leaders because they derive their support from the black community. That is, uh, that was the theory. That is, uh, that's how Mr. Porter became a leader. Uh, you know, he was on all these boards and all, all this kind of store stuff here. That's the, uh, 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 African-American on funeral home in Louisville and the local preachers, uh, became, uh, leaders, uh, not only here, but all all across the country, because they derive their sustenance from black people, and uh, 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 the theory was that they could survive somehow, uh, and so that's where you have the prominence of somebody like Martin Luther King, uh, 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 who uh, came out of that the faith community, sort of called for. I mean, he had a calling, but he was called forth. And uh, uh, the feeling was that he would stand up for his people and his people would take care of him uh, uh-huh. and, and his family. Uh, so that was that feeling uh, that folks had at that time. Uh, and because there are other people, sort of grown folks, who just talked about in Louisville how, like when grown folks with, with jobs tried to take part of the movement in the 60s, some of them uh, actually did get fired off, off their jobs and were never able to recover from uh, that when grown folks started taking part in things. Uh, so there's a price to be paid. But the question is, if, if black elites can't stand up, then who can? I mean, who should be asked to make the sacrifice? 
I mean, uh, Martin Luther King came to Memphis to stand up for the, for the uh, garbage truck workers, right? And so, because you had people uh, getting killed on the on the trash trucks, and uh, you know, the mayor was saying, uh, "I'll I'll meet with the the workers, but only one at a time." He wouldn't really accept collective bargaining. I'm talking about the white mayor down there, and so, uh, uh, you know, Dr. King came to you know to support the uh, the the people who were working on the trash truck. You know, and the famous signs they carried were, I am a man, you know, right? Uh, right. What they're saying, I am a human being is, is what they meant. Uh, of course, that's kind of genderized now, right? Uh, now the signs would be, I am a human being and and, uh, uh, and not, I am a man, you know, because, uh, you know, we try not to genderize nowadays. But uh, what they meant was that I am a human being. You know, treat right. me with respect. I, you know, I don't deserve to die. You know, picking up white folks' trash. You know, uh, so uh, so uh, uh, so. But who should make the sacrifice if not elites, uh, or the bourgeoisie, or the or the working class, or, or the poor people? Uh, uh, so that's the question. Uh, now it's just interesting. Uh, uh, going back to the movie. Uh, uh, you know, musicians can make a contributions through music, and right. a lot of them are uh, then and now. That is the types of music that they are writing, whether the music that you, are, the art that you are creating, whether it uplifts people or degrades people, right? And so right. that's that's the question. Like right here in Louisville. Uh, there's a new exhibit at the Speed Museum curated by black folks. I believe it's a young lady named Allison Glenn that has to do with the uh, the Breonna Taylor situation. I haven't had an opportunity to go out to the Speed to see it, but I mean to. And so I think it's great that the, uh, uh, the Speed Museum is open to that. Originally, there was going to be a display at an Af- African-American museum here, but I, I think there was kind of a uh, a resource problem, uh, uh, and so I guess the family and whoever thought it was better to sort of move it over to uh, the Speed Museum, which folks I don't know whether folks listening all out 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 in the country there was was a very wealthy family in Louisville that that uh, created a museum called the Speed Museum, the Speed Family that's adjacent to the University of Louisville right here in Louisville, Ken- Kentucky. So it's kind of a big time museum here like it's the big time museum so uh and that's where the Breonna Taylor exhibit uh uh is uh right now yeah and I've heard rave reviews and my first stop when I get in town is definitely going to be to check that out and support the work of the young black woman who's curating um but also to support the family and, con- and to continue uh you know being uh, present and supporting you know, getting justice for Brianna as much as possible. But yes, and but sometime soon, um, we are going to need a uh, in Louisville. Louisville's the biggest city in Kentucky. It's I mean, it's got about seven hundred fifty thousand people. It's got the the biggest black population, twenty two, twenty three percent. And so, one of these days, we're going to have to have a fully resourced black museum that's 
that's climate controlled so that the art, you know, when you have a museum, everything has to be perfectly climate controlled right. and uh, protect from the sunlight and all this kind of stuff. And so one of these days we will have that. One of these days. So yeah, I think uh, we're working on that with, with a few people, and it's just a matter of getting those resources together to do that, and we have to begin uh, supporting um, those efforts and endeavors. Exactly. So, you know, and if you have a museum, it's got to have a tight roof, and uh, you can't have leaky roofs in the museum, and it's got to have the perfect lighting, it's got to have the perfect uh, HVAC system and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um so uh, I'm going back to the, uh, uh, you know, the thing about black movies is what I, what I found is that you kind of have to go see them in the first week because you don't know how long they're going to stay in the theater. Of course, the problem with the pandemic, of course, uh, you know, that uh, it's kind of an odd time to release any movie. But I'm glad that, uh, you know, uh, One Night in Miami was released uh because uh, maybe we needed it. Yes, yes. So yes. Uh, I, I actually didn't get to see it in the theater. I watched it at home. So um, yeah. So, but I definitely agree. We have to get out and support those movies to keep them in the theaters. If we if if we ever get back into the ways of the old, where that you know means as much. Um, we definitely need to make sure that we're doing that. That's part of that work of using what we have to to be that voice. And of course, Judas and the Black Black Messiah uh, has come out recently, and I had the opportunity to see both of those movies in the theater because that's just what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say that there were very few people in the theater uh, uh, both times that I saw it. Uh, both times I went, uh, I saw. Uh, uh, one night in Miami at uh, Baxter Avenue here in Louisville, and then I went to uh, where did I go? I had to go to Stony Brook to see Judas and the uh, Black Messiah, which is uh, further out in the uh, East End. Uh, people who don't know Louisville, uh, Louisville is sort of split in half uh, by I-65. The northern border of the city is the Ohio River. There's an east end, a west end, but no north end. There's an east end, a west end, a south end, but no north end. Uh, the, the median income uh, is higher in the east, lower in the west, and in southwest Jefferson County, is uh, there's more blacks li- living there now, but it's traditionally thought of as sort of a, a working-class white with a semi-rural attitude, uh, southwest Jefferson County. So... Uh, uh, so yeah, we were able to um, through global political education for liberation we were able to raise funds to buy out uh, two showings of Judas and the Black Messiah and offer people free tickets to go see that so we were really excited to be able to do that um, to again to increase the number on that week to, to be able to to, to go in and, and indulge in that and then also removing the barrier of any financial means if that if that was the case. And so we were really excited to be able to do that. Well, thank you for doing that. So tell us about the, uh, uh, your political ed- education effort. Uh, folks need to know about that. 
Yeah, so um, Louisville Political Education for Liberation was started as a direct response to the uprisings um, seeking justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, it started in June of last year. Um, a colleague uh, of mine and myself, as you said, I am uh, from Louisville, but I currently live in New Orleans. And so when I came to Louisville to support the on-the-ground work, I was trying to figure out what was needed and what could I do um, and not be fully you know, physically present in Louisville at the time. And so a colleague of mine who was not able to be, you know, quote unquote, in the streets because of COVID and, you know, what they had going on, we got together and seeing all of the new people and all of the new faces that were coming out to do this work, we knew that political education was a must, right? Um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a more seasoned activist um, organizer, and I understand the importance of education and political education. And so we just started uh, showing up in the in the park, which was in Justice Square Park, which is ground zero for the uprisings in Louisville, and just holding classes on any and everything from self-care to know your rights to what does defund the police mean, you know, what, um, talking about food deserts and you know, those classes were being held um, in the park itself uh, three times a week, and then we were doing virtual sessions for those who couldn't be um, in the park in person. And so um, that was our contribution as people who could not necessarily be in the streets all the time because of our other stuff that we had going on. And so we have since have we have continuously since June offered weekly sessions. Um, up to three times a week virtually. Um, we have a revolutionary reading group that happens on Thursdays where we pick a book. Um, you get an electronic copy of the book. Again, we're trying to do things that are not cost prohibitive. So we try to find free books to, to share with people. Um, for the book clubs, you'll get an electronic copy of the book to read along with us. And then we have discussions. And then on Tuesday, we have the People's Classroom. The People's Classroom is um, a space for learning. Um, so we have people from all over the, the community, whether you're an organizer, whether you're a teacher, a professor, whether you are just someone who has information, experience, and knowledge in a certain area, we want you to come and share that. So it's not just myself and my colleague, Dr. Asha Brown, who are the experts in any of this, but we want just to create a space where that information can get out to people. Uh, we believe that everybody in the space is a teacher and a learner. Um, so we, if anybody has information or has strategy or has a topic that they're working on that they want to share with people, they're welcome to come and be part of the people's classroom and our political education um, system. So it just really is important that we, again, lift barriers to access to information while also building this movement towards liberation. So that's that's what we do, and um, we've been going, like I said, since June of last year. Um, right now we're doing two sessions a week, the, the People's Classroom on Tuesday, Revolutionary Reading Group on Thursday. Um, it's free, it's open to the public, um, whether you're in Louisville or not. Louisville is the name because that's where we started, um, and we'll make sure that we always honor how we started, but it is a space to come and learn come and teach, come and share, and build. If you're for black liberation or collective liberation, this is your space to come and to grow, learn, and build. So let people know how they can find that 
And so it's online, correct? Yes, yeah, so our sessions are through Zoom right now. Um, but if you want more information, <clears throat> you can email us at louisvillepoliticaleducation at gmail.com. You can also find us, if you search that same thing on Facebook, you can find us there. Um, on Instagram, we are uh, Louisville Political Ed. And on Twitter, I believe we're LOU Political Ed. Um, so we're on all um, social media platforms. So if you just search our name, Louisville Political Education for Liberation, you should find us. If you want to donate to um, to support the work that we're doing, because again, we're volunteers. Everyone's volunteered. We really want to be able to uh, give our presenters and facilitators stipends. We also love sending free books to people. Um, again, just you know, moving barriers to learning and knowledge. Um, so if you want to donate to us, then you can do that uh, through our Cash App, which is LOU Political Ed. Uh, Cash App, again, dollar sign LOU Political Ed. Or you can send a donation to Change Today, Change Tomorrow in Louisville. They are our fiscal sponsor. And just let them know that the donation is for uh, Louisville Political Education for Liberation. So, folks, um we're here with Kalila Collins um, talking about um, the movie One Night in Miami and uh, uh, other topics associated with the uplift of the people. So, uh, uh, you know, it's here, and I would say in the past year or so, uh, black athletes and artists uh, have been stepping up big time. You know, uh, uh, there was like a 30-year lull, 20 or 30-year lull between uh, artists and activists sort of stepping up but they've been coming on strong, so... Uh, it, um, well, um, so I, I have to agree to a certain point, and then I stop. Because you asked the question earlier about uh, who should sacrifice and what should they sacrifice. And I feel like there are people in positions of power that are able to really turn the tide, and they don't. Um, and they have, they have more to lose, but they also have more stocked up. So if they lost, they would be okay, right? And so when I go to jail, I don't necessarily have the ability to bounce back the same way a professional athlete has if they lose their, their contract or whatever. I do want to applaud. This is what I was told the other day, and I haven't read it yet, but I heard the commissioner of, of, of the base, of baseball, of the Major League Baseball, what's, what is, it? Is, it, is it a corporation? What is the... Right. Well, the, the commissioner of Major League Baseball is, he, he took the All Star game out of out of out of Atlanta because uh, yes. uh, the governor's crap, yeah. <laughs> right? And those are the kind of those are the kind of courageous moves that we need to see. Right. Those are the things that people need to be doing to show people that we're not tolerating this stuff anymore. Right. So that was a courageous move to me. I feel like things, you know, I look at, I'm a, I'm in New Orleans, of course, I'm a, I'm a Saints fan, and, you know, the Saints definitely had T-shirts where they had Brianna's name on her, they had Say Her Name, and different things like that, but how would the world change if players just didn't show up? Well, there you, there you go. So, uh, yes, yeah, so, uh strange and, and curious times uh so folks uh uh just a mention that uh that our station 106.5 fm we're in our fundraising uh uh 
pledge drive as well. So you can go to uh, forwardradio.org and give from there. It takes us $20 a day to operate this station. Uh, uh, $140 a week uh, uh, operated entirely by volunteers. So uh, every dollar you give uh, helps to support WFMP. So, uh, folks, uh, we've been here with Kalila Collins uh, uh, talking about One Night in uh, Miami. Uh, You've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and what we do, we talk about a variety of subjects on this show, whether it's uh, politics, uh, uh, economics, uh, art. Uh, So we try to... uh, sort of cover it all. We covered, you know, City Hall, State Capitol, Washington, D.C., uh, and the world. I mean, uh, from uh, from uh, Venezuela to to, uh, Western Europe, uh, to China, we cover it all. So the Africa, uh, we're there, and you can go there with us. So, folks, uh, I want to thank Kalila Collins for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back next week.